Hey there, it's Matt from Generator. I would love for you to be able to listen to all of our new episodes as soon as they come out. So please make sure you follow us on your podcast app of choice or just head over to generatorpodcast.com. Also, if you like the show and want to support me, you can now leave me a tip with no membership necessary. It's just like tossing a buck or two into the hat of a street performer. So when you listen to an episode at generatorpodcast.com, you'll see a donate button right in the player. And please know that while it's never necessary, it's always greatly appreciated. So that's it. Thanks again for taking the time to listen. And now let's start the show. Hey there, friends. Welcome to episode 15 of Generator. And my guest this week is Carrie Sheffield. Carrie is a Florida-based photographer, spending most of her life in the UK and then moving to the States about eight years ago. She's a photographer who doesn't just take pictures. She weaves stories of connection and emotion. She dives deep into the soul of the craft, staying emotionally engaged with each image, each moment, as if they were threads in this beautiful tapestry of human experience. Carrie's had some new revelations in her own self-awareness based on her self-portrait project, and those discoveries have not just transformed her work, but affected how she approaches life itself. She uses the lens to look inward as much as outward. And let me tell you, that journey of self-discovery, it is a powerful one. It's raw and it's real. So for Carrie, it's not just about capturing her own image. It's about peeling back layers and having a conversation with herself that's as intimate as it is revealing. Now, through all of this, Carrie's embraced the art of slowing down. In a world that's always on fast forward, she's found the pause button and follows her own path towards inner peace. So yeah, we talk about all of that and tons of other things, including how she uses video as an essential part of her business. So today we're not just talking about photography, we're diving into a story of connection, a story of emotion, and the kind of self-awareness that comes from truly seeing, not just with the eyes, but with the heart. So here we go. Let's get the show started with my guest, Carrie Sheffield. Harry, welcome. Thanks so much for being here. This kind of came out of the blue, but I'm really glad we had a chance to get together. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And thanks for having me. I saw you're doing these mini sessions, like Santa <laughs> sessions. Is that what you do? Oh, God, no. Oh, no, no. We try and keep it a little bit more sophisticated than that. It's just um, family sessions and um, get them in and get them out. You know, I kind of work in the affluent market, but I try and create these little bite-sized opportunities for people to come in. And it's kind of funny for me being British because it's not something we really do. And um, and I've been here for eight years, but it's gone by in a flash. But so, yeah, it's interesting. And we did I did do it a little bit in the UK, and I did far more families back then. You know, I did everything. But, um, but yeah, I'm just buying into it. Hey, look, this injection of uh, money is not bad in October, November. So, And I intend to take all of December off. I'm always the type that will say, you know, what, I'm going to take these weeks off and I never stick to it. I just work, 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 work. And it's, it's a known problem with me, but I'm envious of anyone that can say, I'm going to take December off. I'm like, ah, oh, I wish I could take a month off. I think we're, we just, 
those kind of people. And I hear, I've heard you talk in a few interviews and a few people, and I think it's we suddenly have a panic attack when we're not out there being seen, heard and whatever. I mean, when I say take time off, this is when I'll do marketing and plan my life for the next 10 years and all this stuff. I can actually put down the camera and not pick it up for two months and not miss it. So it's fine. I kind of look at it the same way. Haven't had a ton of bookings this month. So I've really just been working on all that background stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Setting up content, working on workflows, changing website stuff, right? There's always something to do, but let's, Take a real quick step back. So you said you've been here for eight years and you were in the UK before that. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I have came over here because of my husband's job, but I couldn't work here for the first three years. But I've been in photography for about 17, 18 years. Always doing portraits? I mean, I started, oh, should I do a quick, like, I'll give you like the try and keep it in three minutes career path. I left home school, like, you know, 15 and then, um, and then I went into sales and marketing and I've been in advertising and sales and marketing. So I've been around the entertainment industry and events and, um, you know, the music industry and stuff. Met my current husband. I say current because it's my second marriage. And then um, we, he won golf clubs and I worked there and we started having kids and all these things. So I was in sales and marketing, but doing events. So I opened an events company. I trained as a florist. And then um, third child's come along. And I sold my very successful events and floristry company. I had like seven staff. It was a big enterprise. And I sold the business. And then while he was about a year old, I just decided to go to college and do black and white film photography. So um, night school and I did Photoshop. So I started off in photography when he was like two years old doing schools and kids and you know school photography which was massive turnover of money but a huge amount of work and I wanted to do it better than everyone else did it so I wasn't so formulaic about it and um, there was a lot of manual work involved and yeah I, I did the job actually because I had three children under 10 and I w was just 30 and um, you you pay for childcare and so being a photographer and working my own hours seemed appealing, but also glamorous. And when you and I both know it's the hardest job on the planet and you work more hours uh, than anyone on the rest of the world. And, um, but it's gone from there. So that was, I started off there doing schools and portraits. We're not, not portraits like I do now, but yeah, families, schools, or if, if it moved and you needed a picture of it, I took it. So if, if, if photography wasn't the thing coming out of sales and marketing, coming out of events and florals and, and, and all of that, if you never went back to school for black and white film and Photoshop, where do you think you would have landed? It's really interesting because my career was born, not this one, but all of them, my career was born out of necessity. So um, when I first, I left home at 15. And so I had to go to work and, you know, I was an academic, I did very well at school, but unfortunately, if you know, if you're alone, then you're not going on to further your education. So yeah. no one's paying for that, but me, but I had to pay the rent too. So, um, I just got into sales and, you know, I was good at it and I never loved it and I never sold either. I just turned up said, this is what I've got, do you want it? And, you know, and I was quite successful, but I did love imagery and I loved marketing if I'd had the opportunity to pursue my academic you know my education etc 
I I wanted to be a journalist. I wanted to write and I wanted to tell people's stories. And actually, photography has given me that. And I don't mean the commercial work that I do. I mean all the projects and the places I found myself off and working in. It's been really good for me. So projects have helped me. A little bit of me has found that. I just need to pick up the pen a bit more than I take pictures, which the balance is a little bit off right now. Have you been writing much lately at all? Um, I've had fits and starts. So you, I think might, you saw my self-portrait project. Did we know each other then? Yeah. That was that. And that came about from still not being able to work here. And now I'm a green card. Um, they're not going to kick me out so easy. And I'd never done anything like that before and actually did amazing things for me here. And I used to write the words before I took the picture. But, but before that as well, I did my 50-50-50 project, which I'd already done once in the UK and was published. Everyone was doing these 365 projects and everyone was so cool and everyone was becoming a photographer and like, yeah, doing their everyday projects. And I'm like, shit, 50, 50, uh, 365, that's far too much work. I've got all these kids. And um, so I, I bought a beautiful, beautiful, and I still have it and I'll never get rid of it, a 50 millimeter 1.2 lens. And it was old school length. And because I'm an idiot and I got it home, I was like, damn, it's manual focus. And, uh, you know, and I'm worried about being able to, like, not, not to use it, I can use it, but just using it fast and in sessions. So I decided if I did 50 portraits for 50 days with a 50 more lens, I'll get to know the lens, I'll be very comfortable with it. And it's a really, I like rhyming things. The project was great for me and actually the photography magazine um europe published it which was funny um i, I don't know where that came i just sent off a press release see i'm good at that stuff and um they published it you know housewife with the camera and which was very demeaning actually because i was always more than that because i went to college i studied i'm a professional you know i i, I trained constantly anyway um you know i won't hold it against them but they published it so i did it when i first came here the difference from the first time to the second time, although I literally looked for a stranger every day, I never lined up these portraits. Coming here with a British accent and walking out into the American market, um, nobody said no. The conversations, and this is, I think, where my superpower is. I'm very in tune with people's emotions. So I would literally be standing in the street. I'd see a person and they looked desperate and I knew they had to be the person I had to speak to um, it was like somebody was telling me, you know, and I, you know, I won't bore you with all the long stories of how I got some of these people, but literally I found myself driving somewhere I'd never been and my subject was right there that day. And I had a little kit with um, the camera in and a release and all that stuff. And, you know, it's like sign in. I recorded everything on my phone and I have all of the recordings on my phone. And I, they are very precious because we've lost some of the people that were in it. But I would turn up to someone and say, look, I'm doing this project. It's um, seven questions. Everyone has the same questions. I'd love to sit and talk to you. And I try to be diverse and whatever. And there's some days, you know, it might be a pretty young girl or something, you know. And if they, if it, a pretty young girl has a good story, she's been through a hard time. Do you know what I mean? That gave me... It, I fell in love with the project. I made it hard for myself in the fact that every day I took the picture for 50 consecutive day, days, regardless of what I was doing. I wrote a, you know, a forward and a, a, a conclusion and a, probably not the right words. And then this is where I'm crazy. I wasn't that technical. So I literally verbatim typed 
the whole interview. So I'd listen to it and I would type the whole thing, not knowing that I could like cut and paste and whatever. Anyway, I was getting phone calls at 2 a.m. going, when's the next one coming out? I'm waiting for it. If that didn't take up so much of my time and I got paid to check for it, I would do that every day. And um, it was, and actually, I, I can I just say, I did this before Humans of New York was a thing, the very first one. I think it was 2017, did the first one. It was just so powerful and people love to see it and people love to read it. I don't know, I don't know, maybe now it's not so popular because the world has a phone and the world's recording everyone and everyone's watching video. But at the time and in back in, um, well, 2018 was a portrait project and 2016 I did the 50-50-50. That Humans of New York really did get a lot of attention and I think it changed a lot of things in the way that people look at photography, like especially looking at street photography and, and journalism or photojournalism or documentary work, whatever you want to call it, that it brought people closer to folks that they don't know. We're so stuck on seeing the same celebrities and the same, you know, talking heads in the news cycle and all of that to see real people in real locations in a different way has always been super effective. And, you know, I notice in your work too, that a lot of the, the documentary photojournalism sneaks in, right? You're great with candids, but you've also got this connection almost. And I, I don't like to use the word voyeur, but it's voyeuristic in so far as the viewer is outside watching this incredibly emotional moment you're doing it in a, in a way that has taste and class. And um, do you feel like you intrinsically shoot in that kind of documentary style? Um, is it any easier or harder than doing studio work? The studio work I shoot in the studio a lot. And then I, I rent spaces and I shoot um, a lot of my portraits you'll see are of actors and, um, people, you know, talent. And, you know, one of my favorite things, along with women, if I do not have an emotional connection with the subject in front of me, if I don't feel something, and I often get an emotional reaction, sometimes it can just be like a breath taken away kind of thing. Um, I didn't do my job right. I see a lot of, especially in the headshots on I mean, I, I, I say I do headshots, my pictures go far, far beyond a headshot. And, um, even my headshot sessions, it's not just a headshot unless it's, you know, a mini clinic that I do. The people that the actors I photograph always say to me, oh, my God, you know, we need to go and have a carry moment because I I pull so much out of them and I really work them. And this is, this is going to sound, um, and especially coming, I think people that know me, really know me, know this to be true, that if you sit down in front of me, it's like I've got, a temperature on everything that's going on with you right now. I remember actually they just, this just came back to me and I think I irritated the crap out of him, Felix. So I met Felix when I first moved here, 2016, and um, I went to Tampa and I did, I'd spoken to him online and stuff before and I went to do his lighting workshop and I watched him working. And when I go to workshops, I'm very much at the back of the room just watching and learning. I don't want to take photographs that other people are taking because I'm a bit Yeah, as am I. I'm the same way, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm never going to show those pictures or use them or whatever. And we 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 got to know each other over three days, so we we I did get shooting, but it was different energy. And so he was there working, and everyone's around him, and I could just feel him, you know. And when he's doing his thing, and he's got all the confidence, and he's just like he's vibing. You can just tell it. And then when he has to be 
connecting with people around him while he's trying to connect. I could tell he was getting overwhelmed. And um, I just kind of went, should we all just sit back a minute and let, um, and he wasn't giving any sign to anyone else that this was a thing. And I could feel it. And um, he looked at me and he went, how'd you do that? And, you know, like, how do you read people like that all the time? And um, I just do. And, I, it, and it's funny. I know when people are affronted when they walk in front of me because or they're abrasive. And I know we've most of us have got a, an intuition. But I can literally say to someone, what, what happened this week? And where are you? I can tell. And, um, and I know who, when, when I'm taking their picture, I know who they want to be. And... I'll ask them if they want to be that person or is it expected of them? Who do they need to portray? And I try and tap into all of those things. I think for people that aren't photographers of people, they're like, yeah, you're right. You're just making these sounds. But honestly not. I think I started in photography, yes, because I liked pretty pictures, but more so because I wanted to be seen. The only person that's ever really photographed me and seen me is me. And and how I want to be seen has evolved. But I think that, um, so yeah, I try, every person in front of me has a different energy and I try and capture that whilst understanding rights and those things. You know, and I got that the, the handful of times that we've been in the same place and have had a chance to talk. Um, I've always gotten that connection that it's, you know, I don't have to sit and make small talk with you. We don't have to talk about the weather or what we had for lunch. Like it's immediately like we've already talked for four or five hours and now we're getting to the good stuff, but that happens immediately. And there's very few people that I can do that with because I don't generally don't trust anyone with anything. So being able to open up as introverted as I am, um, believe it or not, being able to open up or at least feel that instant comfort, it's a, an absolute vibe that you have when you're talking to someone. So I can only imagine what it's like as one of your clients where you've you know been working with them and really getting to know them, how connected that must be in, uh, in your studio. And you know, I had a very similar experience when I first started Portraits. I don't think I really understood how connected you need to be to have that emotion come across. When you're doing documentary work or photojournalism, the emotion's already there. You just happen to be capturing that moment. It really comes down to what's your timing and composition mm -hmm. look like. For studio stuff, you can you can miss that emotion in a split second if you're not really in tune to the person in front of you. I think when I first started shooting portraits, I didn't realize how important that was. I just wanted the pretty picture so that I could impress other photographers and people would say I was good and pat me on the back and, you know, everybody would be proud, right? Yeah. The second that I released myself of all of that and really just started to focus on the person in front of me, everything took off from that point. My network got better. My connections got better. My sales went up. The emotional draw for my portraits got better. Everything improved by me generally shutting up and listening and two, giving a shit about the person in front of me, not mm -hmm. looking at them like a checkbook, but looking at them as a human that is just as scared and nervous and contemplative and unaware of what's about to happen yet they courageously give of themselves to let us direct them 
and bring them to a place where once we got you, we got you, right? And we can kind of pick and choose where we want to go with your images. And I think it's something that really can only come either through years and years and years of experience or you either got it or you don't. And I know a lot of people that are phenomenal photographers that just you cannot connect to them yeah. whatsoever. It just seems to be like it's such a, a, a paramount part of your business is this connection. Do you feel like it's something that's super easy for you? I know you said you can kind of, you know, take the temperature of everything, but has it ever gone wrong or have you been ever like off the mark? No, I think it's, it's funny because, um, yeah, it, it, it's the nature of my business. It's just the nature of me. It, it's interesting because it's the nature of my business and it always has been whatever that business was. And I was a good salesperson because yeah. I understood the person in front of me. I mirror people. Um, I, I mean, you know, this is a trauma response, right? I'm old enough to know that now. Right. So I know that I'm just reading the room and I know how I need to be in order to make whoever's in the room feel happier, more comfortable and all those things. And it is relatively easy. I look, it's funny. I, I see people's work and they share their work now. And somebody was horrified when I said, I don't really enter my work into competitions. I've won things, but, and I didn't even enter. It was just like, you know, when people have seen my body of sure. work. Sure. But so I, I haven't entered because I feel like I'm not shooting for photographers. I'm absolutely not. And so if I enter something, I really have to go and create that thing to enter it because I'm not shooting for, for photographers because I really am shooting for that person. So I'm not ticking the boxes that are required for me to win awards in photography. And I was kind of like disgruntled, but there wasn't a genre that I fitted into so I could get wear all of those badges. I haven't needed or required the badges for some time and actually most of the people that I know that I love and their work I adore they don't know any of us and they're busy doing what they do and they don't have any badges so you know in terms of the photography I've done all the things I've shot over 200 weddings I've worked with celebrities and royalty and children in Africa and all these uh, all these different things it when it when it comes back down to it what I'm really interested in is not a particular genre. I'm interested in a certain kind of person and I mean, largely adults. Um, like I said, children are only really interesting to me when they've got more of a story, maybe one-on-one, it'd be fine, but toddlers and babies and all that stuff together, I'm, I'm really not interested. The thing that I find hard, I've just done a project that took, you know, the 40 over 40. Well, when I first moved into here, my rent's extortionate. And I just on a whim got the studio. I decided to do a 40 over 40 project as well as photograph dogs, photograph everything that walked past the window. The 40 over 40 project for me, although it's been great and I'm almost finished, it's taken me too long, was emotionally exhausting. I gave so much of myself. When I have someone in front of me that's feeling bad or um, exhausted or low or dry, it literally I become that emotion although I can tap into it when they leave me I, I'm left feeling you know I, it, it comes home with me so so that's the only difficult thing and you said about documentary photography you go out and you watch and you see and you capture that moment I've taken myself off to like you know places where tragedy has happened or I've gone to a hurricane site or I you know to go document and tell the stories 
I, and I know that you've done the same thing. I actually don't agree necessarily that you're just watching and shooting. I'm very much in it and involved and, and amongst the people and feeling the things and getting involved and in, in it's not just taking pictures. And I think that um, in terms of portrait photography and, and there's not a problem when we connect to people. Actually, I had a bit of an epiphany today. I went to an event without my camera. I'm trying to network a bit more locally with um, society. And, um, you know, a lot of people know who I am because I have a big group here on Facebook. I went along. I didn't have my camera. And the past couple of years, I've had a bit of a bit of trauma in my life and it's been, it's got really difficult. And as extroverted as I seem, um, that's become hard for me. And I went to this event. I got in the car and I, was, I called a friend that I went on my podcast next week. And I said, you know what? I realized without my camera, I'm terrified. And I realized that having my camera on me and having it all against my body gives me confidence. I'm easily identified. This is who I am. This is what I do. That's how you know me. I don't have to show up. I'm I'm hiding behind this thing and um, I'm protected by it. When I go anywhere without it, I can't bear to be there and I can't wait to leave. And um, I only found that out today. What is it that you feel in terms of discomfort? Like you just, you don't have something to do or your identity is so wrapped up in being a photographer. Do you feel like vulnerable and open or? Yeah, well, you know, I, you're not in my group because it's a lady only group, but um, I am literally a walking, talking, open book. And um, Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. In my group, I share um, a lot of stuff. You know, I'll go on there, stands maker, you know, in my dressing gown. Like, oh, my God, I'm having a fucking nightmare day and I'm about to die and it's awful. And I'll just tell everyone and they know a lot about me. I think that my camera is my superpower. And when I'm holding that camera, they want to impress me. When I don't have my camera, I have to impress them. Or I feel like I need to be somebody and I feel like I need to show up a certain way. But when I have my camera, suddenly I'm more valuable to them. Um, without it, I hold no value. This is me in my head, I know. Oh. But this is, I realize today that's how I feel when I'm out in the world without it. At places where I'm not in my comfortable space. I mean, I'm only comfortable at home on the couch, um, but you know, that, that that's the reality of my life nowadays but I realized that today it was quite empowering to know that about myself in just saying it to my friend I realized that's who I am I love when we get to discover those little parts of ourselves and it's always when you least expect it and it's always something that blindsides you that you're like I'm perfectly well adjusted and all of a sudden you get triggered by something someone says or walks by has nothing to do with them. They're not even saying anything to you, but it brings up some strange memory or some strange feeling. And all of a sudden you're out of sorts. And I love that because you're at least self-aware enough to identify it and be in the moment rather than just feeling the feeling and being uncomfortable and letting that dominate you. You are actually able to view it and say, all right, noticing this about myself and we'll deal with this after the meeting. Um, but it was great that you were able to recognize that. Does that happen from time to time? Does it happen a lot? Do you, you seem pretty centered, pretty self-confident. So I've got to, I've got to believe you've worked out a lot of those issues. I'm a good time. actress. No, 
I You're think a good actress. Um, I really am. My kids are actors as well. I think I've passed that on to them. And yeah, that's something else I wanted to do. But no, the portrait masters, and actually it was Felix's turn to notice how, how I was feeling. Um, I was to back out for a ring of people and he was like, and I'm like, no. <laughs> I think that, yeah, I, I got up, I, I made an effort with how I looked, I dressed up, you know, I, you know, normally it's not me. And um, I wanted to be there, um, but I didn't. And I went back to my room um, a lot and I, I stopped peopling a lot. And um, I definitely wasn't the life and soul of the party. I, I, I'm overwhelmed. Uh, I think I'm more overwhelmed by a room full of women, I'm not going to lie. I think that's probably stems from, you know, my past. Um, sure. So they, it makes me nervous. You know, I got bullied in, at home and at school. So, you know, women terrify the crap out of me, which is funny because I'm a nurturer of women. I have a group with 3,000 women in it and I take care of them, you know. I'm like the local Agni aunt and, and I don't say that with humor. I mean, you know, it, it didn't intend to be that it just turned into that but I can stand tall you won't bloody believe it I'll walk into the room of 500 people and I'll stand up on the stage and I'll speak and I'll I'll, I'll blow it away but inside I'm like oh my god you know I think if you're not feeling like that then something's off there isn't a gig that I go to whether it's speaking or podcasting or even any photo shoot if I don't have the butterflies I know I'm way too comfortable and you know I don't want to trust that at all. Like, oh yeah, everything's going to go swimmingly because that rug gets pulled right out from under you the least, the you least expected moment. You have to, I realize yeah. I need to go out. I need to be present. I need to be seen. I want to, I want to grow my business and I'm not quite sure what direction. So if, if you're hiding away, um, you know, people forget who you are. But I do get to show up online. And so I get to share what I do in video clips constantly and that's been a really good way for me to grow the business and for people to see the process yeah you know i'm totally jealous of the tiktoks that you put out because i watch them and they're always so well to put together and like again probably from your sales and marketing background you just intrinsically get it it's so well branded it's so when i look at you i think class put together well dressed right i don't know what it's like behind the scenes but just the entire image that you put yeah it's spotless right of course um <laughs> but everything that i see you put forward is always so well crafted and so well done i can imagine that it's doing great things for you whenever i'm scrolling on tiktok and i'm looking for you know some dog talking back to its master i pop across your feed and i see it and i'm like oh there she goes again with just like another perfect video for her business so it's just it's awesome to watch you from the outside because it's so consistent and you get such a great feel for what it is you're doing behind the scenes a lot of photographers can't get that across without seeming campy and mm -hmm. there's nothing but authenticity that i see in some of those videos and so you're, you're crushing it crushing Thank it. You. and i wanted to just dispel the myth that I, there's a plan and a process there's no, there's no consistency. There's not a timing. I don't know what's the best time. I haven't looked at my insights. I'll literally go, oh, I'm, you know, and I try and do something every day. Um, but the videos, so I try and do behind the scenes shooting of every shoot we do of interest. Yeah. And if the client's okay with that, especially the actors, I mean, they love it. Um, and my daughters are one when I'm traveling largely um, doing all those clips when I'm in Pittsburgh anyway, 
Boston and um, LA and New York, if I go there to shoot, I'll get one of the students that are working with me to just come and assist and they just take these clips. Um, and I know that I just need 10 clips with a few seconds showing the best spots and, um, and, and we whack a good audio on it. I mean, I'm constantly saving other people's audio and I'll hear something and go, oh, God, this, that would be great for this. So there's not, I'm not, um, you know, we, we're not a well-oiled machine in marketing. <laughs> it's just, I actually love filmmaking and we i've just made a film with a colleague um for a hair salon locally and um we did you know a bunch of social media clips for them we did a one minute film for each salon we did a 30 second film for each salon we did a three minute film for all the salons put together and she came to me for the film even though nowhere does it say i'm a videographer and i, w I was creative director on that um just because she likes my style of photography. Back in the UK, I did have a bigger team and we had I had filmmakers and whatever, and we made boutique films for um, small businesses. I really love video. I love to see it. What I don't love in my time of life is the idea of training to edit video. So I love reels and Instagram because I don't have to do anything. I just pop it on there and it looks cute and away we go. They've actually given me this new lease of life in the fact that I get to be a filmmaker without making any films. You know, and this is this is something that as someone that teaches video for photographers, I look at it and I say, all right, well, I'm going on 10 to 15 years of video experience and really getting heavy into production and being able to teach photographers, especially that already kind of know their camera, how to incorporate video into their work that they can then take to their clients, right? If you have salons or small businesses, right? How you can use the equipment that you have and create videos out of it. Real basic editing, storyboarding, audio, like all of those pieces I really focus on because it's more about the story than anything. But now, right? Seeing, so I've been doing this stuff forever and I've been trying to craft this video for photographers course for probably a year and a half now. And every time I think I have it ready to go, I see something else that just makes it easier and easier and easier for people, right? Especially for what we do and we need behind the scenes, short form content, 30 seconds or less, right? It's find a template, throw some video in and all the editing is done for you, right? And I love the fact that it takes basically zero effort to produce really high quality stuff. There is something to be said, though, by like having that approach, which you're very in control of, and then also understanding that good video production is a separate thing altogether. It's not Absolutely. just throwing it together on your phone, right? And mm -hmm. I think that's where people get a little bit confused. It's super easy on my phone. What's it like if I do it with my camera? And it's a totally different workflow. Yeah. I love hearing where people draw their inspiration from. So as you're making these videos, as you're shooting, are you th seeing anything that you get inspired by trend-wise? Are you trying to even keep current with that? Or do you just get inspired by life in New York and your children and the people in front of your lens? Where do you draw that inspiration from to create some of this content? I'm very emotionally led, clearly. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely not buying into any trends. Um, I'm too old for all that. But I think <laughs> that um, 
understanding what how people feel most of the time if I wake up feeling a certain way my message is going to be reflective of how I'm feeling that day so um, if I'm like fuck you I'm amazing I'm like my video is going to be that kind of energy and I'm going to look for the the video clip that I have that's got that energy if I'm feeling tired and vulnerable and um yeah, my video is going to have that feeling. You know, sometimes I'll just have a pretty face and uh, and I'll make that film and I'll put that out. But often I think it is really, and that's it. I actually beat to my own drum. When I try to conform to what's expected of me, I feel that I fall short and I get really? disappointed in myself. And if I try and live up to other people's expectations, I just, it leaves me cold. I feel like um, it's not very fulfilling for me. I had the same conversation with Johnny last week and with most photographers that I talked to, you know, you have this conversation about trying to be the photographer that other photographers want to be, right? Or at least known by them. We all carry this thing as artists where we want to be recognized and affirmation feels good, especially from our peers. But then you look at the greats, right? And they were just kind of off, whether it's writing, photography, sculpture, music, whatever it is, they're just kind of off doing their thing. Those are the folks that typically create a body of work that we just never forget. So being off on your own isn't a, isn't a bad thing at all. And same kind of thing here. I'm in the mountains of Maine somewhere and like, there's no one close to me. So I'm forced to do my own thing. When you get into that low spot, though, where you're starting to feel a little bit bad about yourself, maybe disconnected, how do you get out of that? Where do you where do you go? What do you do? Is it just put the camera down, get a cup of tea, curl up on the couch? Is it go for a run? Is it produce something, create something? How do you get yourself out of those spots where you're feeling a little bit lower than normal and don't have that big fuck you energy? Yeah, well, it's and you know and that energy has not been very present for me um, for the past couple of years. I'd I'd grown up around depression, not me personally, and so I'd seen it. And you know, I, if I came home from school one day and the curtains were closed, you know, it's not a good feeling in that. End. So I lived around that. So I never really got depressed, and I never really got low. I was always, um, and whether that was high energy and happy or explosive um and i have a real manage i have a much better i don't have explosive so much anymore like you know i've tempered that too but for my own health and for the health of the people around me but when i'm feeling really low i i'm i'm visually stimulated so no i'm not gonna actually one day or three hours locked up on my couch with a blanket and i'm like oh this is boring but so, and, you know, and I don't, I don't want to do that anymore. What tends to happen is I'll have like a six week drive of high energy and then I kind of crash and I'll have a day of not doing much. Yeah. And I can have a day of just doom scrolling or whatever, but coming here to this studio really picked me up out of a, a, a rut and um, it was just on a whim, you know, and but no, I can go out and I can take the roof off my car. I can feel the sunset. I live in sunny Florida. I ignore the people that are around here <laughs> and um, and just enjoy the sunlight. Actually, being 
it'd be really hard for me to leave this climate because it ha- I definitely think I have that, that sad disorder where I mean, when I'm in the grey, it makes me miserable. I absorb podcasts. I listen all day, every day. And, uh, I, you know, I find something. Something will stimulate me. And I'm listening to a lot of your work and the things you've been doing lately and everyone talking about being more creative, Johnny was saying. And I was saying, well, yes, yes, yes. And, oh, my God. And, yeah, and laughing out loud and whatever and wondering how much you two have been drinking before the podcast. But um, I thought to myself, that's the thing that's missing. <laughs> I need to create a little bit more. And the, the thing where I created the most that was the best therapy for me was my self-portrait project. And when I dabble in that, I think that at my age and and surrounded by some of the people that know me and family, family are very judgmental about, not my family in my house, but family are judgmental about you doing the, the stuff that I did. And even people around my husband's work were like, your wife's naked on the internet, did you know? Like that kind of thing. And so, um, and how dare I at my age be naked on the internet? But that that stuff, that lifts me up. A day where I get time to just shoot and play. And once I've got over the horror of seeing myself on camera and then uh, picked one that I, you know, that I can barely live with, then, um, that that will fuel those fires. I saw the self-portrait stuff that you did, and it's phenomenal. It is so, it is so connected, so directly. Um, it's a great word for it. it. It felt extraordinarily intimate, right? But connected, and I felt like there was um, a conversation that was happening, like looking at some of these portraits. And you had referenced it early on about how connected you are to your clients and no one can tell your story, but you, and that is absolutely what I saw. Now, the interesting part of the self-portrait, um, work anytime I've tried to do it, it, uh, man, I, I struggle with self-portraits. I do them. I force myself to do them because it always leads me down cool paths. Was there in a way that you started with your self-portraits that was just like, I'm going to do this and then wound up completely in another place or did you always look to go with that much more connected intimate route the the initial idea to do the project was I couldn't work for a year so and I did work but abroad so I literally I started the self-portrait project and I found myself in India China and Africa so that was interesting so I still had to do it because I was putting the portraits out once a week but um I almost had monkeys run off of my camera at one self-portrait Have you ever felt like you've just lost any sense of day-to-day style? Maybe after years of comfy clothes, you're wearing the same tired pieces over and over. You want to express your unique personality, but the mass-produced jewelry from big box stores just doesn't cut it. Well, that's the before. Now let's talk about the after. Imagine yourself looking and feeling great, your style elevated by a badass piece of handcrafted jewelry. But it's not just any accessory, it's a conversation starter, a statement of who you are. Every time you wear it, you feel empowered and confident and unique. Now, your jewelry's no longer just an afterthought, it's a key part of your personal brand. So how do you bridge the gap between the uninspired before and the stylish after? Well, it's simple, you just need to check out Cyanide Bunker. 
They create gorgeous handmade high-end metal jewelry. Each piece is an individual work of art, meticulously crafted right here in the USA. With Cyanide Bunker, you're not just buying jewelry, you're investing in a unique piece of art that represents your individuality. Start turning heads and making statements without saying a word. And the best part, you can easily browse and shop their collection online by visiting their website at cyanidebunker.com. Transform your style today with Cyanide Bunker. Their pieces may be sculpted from metal, but they're crafted for your character. I, I write in my head 24-7. Yeah. And um, I, I talk in my head constantly. I'm sure a psychologist will tell you what that is. But um, so if, if I have an overriding emotion, that's where um, the, the, project, the, the portrait would come from that week. I didn't really have any preconceived feeling. If I was getting towards the end of the week and nothing was manifesting itself, then I might post a pretty picture. And they were the hardest ones I I struggled with. There's a picture that everyone goes, oh, I really like that picture, that I hate it. And I'm lying in a photography skirt, a yellow skirt or blue top or something on my blue couch. And I'm just, you know, and I'm like, oh, I hate that picture so much. And I said in the, the write-up for that picture, I could, I, I felt nothing. I had no feeling that week. I was completely numb. There was nothing happening. And so that, that showed for me in the picture. Every other picture, really, more largely, most of the pictures, I felt something. My husband will tell you, when I'm looking all dark and sad, because he pissed me off that day, but um, he's probably right. But, you know, most of them were either a strong emotion um, or a feeling or a message I was trying to convey. Sometimes I was trying to speak to people um, and they didn't know I was talking to them. I've been judged for it. I've been judged for that project. And um, I've also been applauded for it. The, the Doing that project brought all the women to my door. They want me to tell their story the way I told mine. Well, I mean, they, they saw in you, right, that power, that confidence, that ability to control your own life and and put yourself out there however you want to be seen. I think, you know, to get back to the uh, original point of, of Sorry, did I take it away? No, 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 this all ties in. But, like, we started with, you know, creating for yourself. And mm -hmm. I think self-portraits are so much a facet of that. You can go in and you can bring a model in and you can set up a set and the lighting however you want it and shoot, right? Maybe you're shooting for competition, right? Or you're yeah. just shooting to create. It's different than going in to just create. You're the only subject. You get to see your own emotions, right? And there's so much that you learn in that. When you're not doing your own creative work, when you're not creating for yourself and sometimes making yourself the subject, you miss all of that. And I think we learn so much about ourselves and our own process and what we're looking for and how we pose and how we shoot and just how we talk to ourselves, how we talk to people, what we see, what triggers us, what doesn't. All of that comes out when you're shooting self-portraits. We can all run businesses where we make the money, we produce photographs, everybody's happy, right? But it can often feel dull and flat, which is why I try to go to one or two workshops a year to really just throw myself for a loop and say, all right, I'm going to do things that I've never done, style the way that I've never styled before, or use lights that I've never used before, whatever the case is. But it, it keeps things fresh. And if you're not creating for that creation's sake, 
I think you're really doing yourself a disservice. No one ever has to see anything that you produce, but it's getting into the arena, right? It's shooting, it's sculpting, it's writing, it's doing whatever it is that you do for art or business or a hobby or love, whatever it is that you do, you've got to be able to do that on your own for the love of it. I think that I do all of this because I was trying to fill a hole. The project and how it made me feel and um, and how it made other people feel, it, it was really very honest and very raw and um, I felt vulnerable around it. And I, yes, I wanted to learn how to develop technique. So for people that are listening here that are photographers and they're very, very tuned into their photography and they want to grow their photography and they want to build their business, number one, doing a project like that, and if you share it, will get you out there and it will speak to an audience. They'll recognize you. Two, I, I tried to in, um, integrate techniques into my project that I hadn't done before, like levitating. There's a picture of me levitating over my bed. And then I rented a house uh, for a, a week up in Savannah or something because the whole bathroom was baby blue but vintage with a roll-top bath and all that stuff. And I wanted the picture with the light rays coming through the window. And so I, so I learned how to do light rays in Photoshop. And just so many things. So, yes, I was, it was a teaching thing. It was also therapy. It was also self-discovery. It was like a journal. And, um, and I need to do more of that. What do I love about people's responses from it? Not, oh, my God, you look so pretty. And please don't stop telling me I look pretty because I really need that too. But the the thing that, and just lately as I get a bit older and a bit thicker, people say, oh, you're so real. You know, the women are like, oh, you're so real. And I'm like, yeah, what you mean this? Yeah, no, I know. I let, I let that hang out. But what I want is a narrative. When I start a conversation with an image, it fills me up. When someone says something a little bit more than, oh, that was so cute, or you look so nice there, and wow, you look, I, I don't want to hear that actually. And what I want to hear is when I looked at that picture, I felt how you felt, or whatever. The one person, I, I took a picture when I was in Pittsburgh. I was in this old, old hotel, and uh, not fancy, but it had a fireplace and everything. And it was a, a proper autumn day in Pittsburgh, which we don't have in Florida. And um, it was afternoon light. and I just curled up on a chair and I only took about 50 frames. And you know, as a self-portrait, that's not a lot. Like you take 900. Not a lot at all. <laughs> yeah. So, and um, I, re I realized I shouldn't shoot that side. I'm better on the other side. But I took this picture and, and I'm just curled up and I posted the picture. I, I haven't really done anything to it. I don't like editing myself. It makes me hate myself when I do. And one woman... And I've had her in my studio, and I think I sent one of the pictures of her to you. She said, you project so much in your pictures of you. And that's what I'm doing. I'm projecting. I don't know how to tell you how I feel, so I'm trying to show you. That's what that is for me. So, yeah, and, and I think more and more people have said to me that in my work that they feel something when they look at these strange strangers. And I never knew that. That wasn't a goal. That wasn't what I was trying to achieve. And that's still not, I mean, it, maybe it is now. And maybe I do it subconsciously. It wasn't like, okay, this is what I need to make happen. It's just happened that way. And I think you have to identify what it is you're trying to achieve in your work 
and stop. Please go and learn. Please get technically astute. I'm so tired of seeing the most ridiculous questions online, so we'll go there. But learn your craft so that you can go out and decide what your message is. And that's that's so – I think self-portraiture really, really taught me um, how to – show how I'm feeling and I find it easier in my own self to be creative than using any model it gave people the ability to see that I have that ability to you know share their message if they have one you know in terms of mastering your craft right I'm a huge believer in it and it's a lifelong journey right you're never in my opinion a master you just get better at it more more uh, subconscious with controlling everything because when you get to that level the camera stops being in the way, right? Mm -hmm. You know how to manipulate it. Now you can look out and around and not be worrying about what's going to happen in the camera. That's yeah. going to, it's your tool. It's going to make the picture for you, but it's a matter of being observant and aware and in the right frame of mind. And you can really only get there once you've mastered um, the tools that you use, right? So the other thing that I wanted to get to was you take yourself portraits, people see your stories in them. Is there a story that you have from your life that you would love to capture, but haven't had a chance to yet? Is there any one thing that you've been driving towards? Like someday I'm going to take that picture. Have you built anything like that in your mind? I mean, in terms of an actual image, I don't, I, I don't know if there's, um, I have, I mean, I have, I have like a, a Pinterest board. You can probably go and snoop and see where I put self-portrait ideas and stuff. I mean, I I, I love. Um, I mean, I've thoroughly enjoyed watching the supermodels of the '90s show recently because you Wasn't know, that great? That yeah, great. and that style I still love, and the Limbergs and the Testino and all that kind of work. Um, I find that really quite beautiful. I love. I, I, I photograph women, but I call it she, all I am is me, which is also the name of my group that I have online. And that I created that like 18 years ago because I think every woman looks different. So I photograph women for women. So I do love beautiful, raw, um, untouched, you know, or lightly touched pictures of women or men actually now. I think, can I tell you my favorite subject and something I really... I feel I've come into my own with, and that's with actors. Photographing non-binary people has become a sheer joy for me. And um, I think what I love most about it is they're safe in my hands and they know they are. So the expression that comes out is just stunning. And it's, it's just a, a I don't know, it fills me up. I just really, really enjoy it. And, you know, I feel very maternal towards the subjects. Most of my subjects are in their like early 20s, their actors or whatever. So I really enjoyed that. In terms of a picture of me where I can be super expressive, I think it's not about the photograph. It's about me feeling I'm in a place where I'm the best that I am right now. And so I'm going to put myself out there. I'm probably going to get braver as I get older because I've got less to lose, less people to annoy. I'm already breaking the taboos. They're starting to expect it from me. I think for my 30s and um, early 40s, I still was restricted by people's perception of me and what was allowed. And I wished, what was it in Shit's Creek where she said, take a thousand naked pictures of yourself and put them all over the internet. I wish I had. 
you know, and now I'm a bit less brave about it. But I don't know. So it's not one particular picture. It's just about lots. Do I have stories to tell? Is there things that I need to share? Yes. And I don't because I don't want to hurt anybody. And not because I did something wrong, but I don't want to, I don't want to tell those stories yet. There's some people out there that should be hung, drawn and quartered and I could tell those stories, but, um, well, I've got yeah. that book laying around somewhere. I've got a whole bit. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. with that, trying to land this plane, trying to think about yes. everything we've been talking about. I'm looking at all my notes. I know. In terms of photography what? and people listen to this, I feel like I've just been here, there, and everywhere. And no, 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 no. This is the whole point of, of why I do this, right? Is I love the free form conversation. I don't like having just a set of questions and everybody gets the same thing. I just feel like I try to come into this with as little preconceived understanding of who it is that I'm talking to outside of the basics, right? So we can start somewhere, but I love this bouncing off the wall and connecting different topics. I think you know, one thing that I heard you say early on, right? You've been kind of out on your own since you're about 15, thereabouts. With this wealth of experience and the woman that I'm seeing in front of me right now, confident, successful, accomplished, um, has lived in a remarkably full life. What's the one thing that you would tell that 15-year-old that didn't know what was coming next? Is there a piece of advice or something that you could say to her that you wish you had heard at that point? Yeah, I mean, I think that, and this relates to the trauma I've had the past couple of years, that I would have stopped um, trying to prove myself um, to everybody. People underestimated me my entire life, and I always enjoyed blowing them out of the water by, you know, um, taking away their estimations. I wish I'd sat down on the carpet and played with the Lego more, just noticed the little things, appreciated the little things, um, not been in such a hurry to be successful because I missed out on lots of things. I was so busy surviving and growing and thriving and trying to be something that I thought I needed to be in order for the world to see me that I missed the things that really matter. And, you know, you find that out late in life and young people hear it and they don't hear it. And um, for me, what was missing my entire life was peace. And when I say that, I mean internally peace. And um, the, the trauma that I've had for the past couple of years has driven out all the ambition I had to be something and has made me happy with what I have. That doesn't mean to say, I think my, my daily goals change and still part of me, a fire burns for the world to know what I do and you know how I do it. But for the most part, what I want is all my children around the dinner table. Uh, I'm an empty nester now too. So what I want is just all of them in the same room again and to just be a voyeur to that. And yes, I still want to travel the entire world. I still want to take pictures of it all. I still want to write more. I still want to. Um, feel fulfilled but um, I would have told her to just enjoy all those moments and you'll be okay because at 15 to 27 there was a lot of bad shit happens so you know I needed but I was all I was always as strong as an ox anyway but it was well, the whole time you're being strong I think you're not taking care of yourself so 
yeah, I think take care of myself. I just, yeah, I just would have said, don't worry, it's coming. And I, I, I strongly believe wherever you're supposed to be, you'll be. Whatever you're supposed to have will come. And all of those things. And I think we run away from what is coming to us. If we just stay still, it, it will land where it needs to land. You just need to be receptive to it. So I was meant to go for all the things I was meant to go through. I was always strong enough to take care of myself, even at 15. No, it wasn't right. No, it shouldn't have happened. And, and no, I, you know, I missed out on opportunities. I definitely did. Yeah, I just would have said, enjoy all those things. Enjoy those moments. I think you're racing through um, your 20s trying to make a name for yourself and you miss all the good stuff. I agree 100%. We never take the time to just relax and see things as it is, right? And so you talking to your 15-year-old self and saying, don't stress about it so much. You're going to wind up where you wind up and everything's going to be okay and it all works out the way it's supposed to. Do you feel like you've achieved some of that peace, some of that contentment now? No, right now I'm actually in a state of limbo and in terms of my work and um, where I'm going next. I've signed a lease on the studio for nearly two years, so I'm still going to be here for a while. I am waiting for the universe to tell me where to go next. I hear a lot of people talking about education and the only reason I haven't gone down that road in a big way is because so many people are doing it. And that's a part of me feeling like I'm not good enough, maybe. I mean, actually, I know I am. I've got far too much knowledge. It's ridiculous. But I, I'm, I don't think I'm going to go down that road. I think that um, I'm interested in facilitating people to know what they're capable of. And so that doesn't mean photography necessarily. That means I can see you and I see your power and I'm going to let you know how to share that. And whether we use words, whether we use conversation, whether we, I actually bring people together all the time. And the podcasting thing has been kind of part of that. I remember being like, I was, a, a, I loved English and, uh, you know, in school. And they would put me with all the quiet kids in the oral exam because I, they got a better score by sitting at the table with me because I made everyone talk. So um, I asked the deep questions. And I think there's something in there. I'm not sure what it is yet. Um, but I have these meetings. I have I bring people together. I, I created this charity where it's called Bareface Brunch where people meet monthly and they don't get to dress up and you don't need to look fancy. You show up without showing off. And I... I suddenly realized yesterday we had one yesterday and I was sat in this coffee shop and I texted my husband. I went, you might need to come down here. I think I might be lonely and nobody's coming. And then he turned out and there's all these people here, you know, like, and he was like, okay, I'll go then. <laughs> and, um, and he came to rescue me in case I was a sad Billy no mates and all these people were here and I'm sat there and I realized, yes, they came and they're helping me with this charity, but they really just wanted to be around other people where they felt safe and they could talk. And I've created that community. And um, because I've said to people, I don't care if you're wearing Pride or, or New Look, Primark, whatever it is in America, I, I, I don't want you to, that's not what I want. And you don't have to wear makeup, wear it if you want to, it's not a rule, but just show up without any judgment. And um, especially where I am in this society, where I live, it's very bougie. And you know, they're wearing Lily Pulitzer. Not this girl. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and I think that um, 
people are intimidated or whatever. So I don't know. What can I do with that, Matt? Tell me. And um, <laughs> so. Well, I, you know, it's you were made for this platform. You were made for podcasting. It's, you know, you, I was going to say, well, what's next? And well, so when next you, week. I record 10 episodes next weekend. <laughs> and that's fantastic, right? So I think your ability to connect so easily and comfortably, clearly you don't have a problem with words, right? I think your writer background really comes in there as well, being able to explain what you're feeling, connecting with people, helping them explore parts of themselves, right? You do this with the photography, you do it with the writing. Now it's going to be on to podcasting. I think, you know, you mentioned the education space. Yes, it's saturated. I think people are all trying to do the same thing. I would love to see you teaching what it is that you absolutely love, whether that's film in the dark room, whether that's black and white, right? Whatever it is. But I think we, we think that we have to teach X, Y, and Z and we don't, we just have to teach what we know, but yeah. the podcasting is, is going to be the thing. Are you calling it sad willy no mates or, um, is there a place that people are well, going to be able to find you? I've stuck with the she theme and it's she networks before COVID happened. I had this notion that I wanted to get a building and I was going to put experts in it. This is so funny. I had no girlfriends growing up. I was beaten up at school so bad. I was blind for six weeks. I couldn't see, like, you know, because I was academic and they, they, I got moved to a better school. So being around women, so I'm, I'm, I'm kind of like that. If I'm afraid of the fire, I'll walk into the fire, you know. And um, we had COVID, so I couldn't have the building, and you know, and um, I needed money. So I started the group She All Am Is Me, which was around my photography genre, which I already had. So now... I'm in here and I'm thinking, I still want that. I'm thinking, my, all my vision board, if you like, was presenting and sharing and enabling. There's not one thing. I'm not going to teach you how to tie your shoelaces, but I'm going to lead you to knowing that that's what you need to learn. You know, I'm going to find out. I bring that out of you. So we created She Networks. My original thought was it was going to be an online platform for people to share their businesses it kind of wasn't sitting comfortably with me and the website sat there, but it is sitting there not happening. And if it's, if I'm not in totally in love with it, I'm not, I start lots of things. I don't always finish them. And that was one of them. I love the podcasting scene. And, um, I used to go live in my group all the time, um, until I thought everyone was sick of me, the silent listeners really enjoy it. And then they come back and tell you that, you know, you don't realize who you're reaching. So she networks and the reason you'll laugh, the reason I'm still following it that is because I've got so much printed marketing material that it's too late. It's too late to change. <laughs> so, uh, it just fits in with who I am. And everyone knows me for being the she woman. Like, um, right. so I, maybe that should be my next self portrait. <laughs> she woman. I'll be like some hairy person in the woods. <laughs> You're swimming in a sea of printed marketing materials. Yeah, yeah, like marks, drowning like the, in marks it. And the pens and the mouse mats and everything. So she networks. So the what terrifies me more, and I do, I do do these things, is talking. Well, clearly I can do it. Is talking without a guest. But I have, like, I've written to about ten girlfriends um, that will have businesses uh, or entrepreneurs on some level, and I've said to them, I want you to be raw and be honest. Um, don't come to me if you're going to be afraid of the honest answers. I want you to show people what it means to fail, show people what you believe is success, how you got there, where you still are, where you want to go. I want to dust 
do away with the bullshit that we see online and um I want people to feel like, oh my God, look at her and this is what she's going through and listen to her and oh my, this is this is happening to her and I see her and she drives a nice car and she's got a great handbag and she's all these things, but actually beneath it all, she's dying somehow. Like I want that out there because I see those women come in my studio and they're a fucking disaster and I mean that with love and I'm I'm taking care of them but the entire world at large is seeing people and they have this perception that they've got their shit together and they really haven't everyone's broken in some way and so um yeah that's what the podcast is about <laughs> I, I i'm i'm all in like from the get-go i'm all in because this is right up my alley it's exactly what i'm trying to do with generator in terms of like get, get past the fluff and you know really just get into some stories and that's a perfect place for us i think to wrap things up it's a great lead in so uh the she networks is going to be the podcast be on the lookout for that in the next couple of weeks and mm -hmm. then where else can folks find you for photography for networking speaking appearances whatever well at carrie sheffield photography is my instagram and um um, my TikTok's still a little baby, but um, you know, I'm always posting reels and things because I'm that generation who does reels. You know, we're two weeks behind TikTok, but um, <laughs> you'll find me there. And um, that's probably the best place to, to see me. Everywhere else is not as loved and nurtured as that place is. So at Kerry Sheffield. I think what you're putting out is phenomenal. I can't wait to see more of it. And I can't wait to hear you really start to develop your voice in the podcasting world and just continue with all of this. You are remarkable. I am so, so, so happy we had a chance to talk. Hopefully I'll see you sooner rather than later, whatever the next conference is. Um, yeah. But it's getting cold in Maine, so maybe I'll make a trip south. And, you know, Maine is my favorite, know. but you're always welcome to come and see me and stay with me. We have loads of room. The house is empty, but... Um... I did. I I drove from my car, sorry, from Florida to Pittsburgh to Michigan, all through Canada and down through Maine. I think we talked about maybe me mm -hmm. going across to you, but um, and so far in all my travels in my Jeep, Maine is my favorite. It's the best kept secret. Don't tell anyone about it. We've got this thing <laughs> on lock. Like yeah. we've got a great thing going here. It's thank you, Gary, for all of your time. I'm sure we'll connect soon. Thank you so yeah, much. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. It was great. Hey there. Can I ask you a favor? If you're loving every minute of the show, and I hope you are, then subscribing is like becoming an honorary member of an exclusive club. Subscribing means you'll never miss a single episode, and trust me, you won't want to miss what I have in store. But here's the extra special request. I'd love it if you could take a moment to leave a five-star review. Your review is like a virtual high five. It lets me know I'm on the right track and helps others discover the show too. Your feedback and support mean the world to me. I read each and every review, and they inspire me to keep bringing you the best content possible. So grab your phone and show some love with that five-star review. It's quick, it's easy, and it makes a huge difference. Thanks so much for being an amazing listener. Together, let's keep the conversations going. Subscribe, review, and let's make this podcast journey unforgettable.